Welcome to Design Your Life with Sandy. I am your host, Sandy Yang. I am a brain rewiring certified coach and human design expert. In this podcast, we talk about becoming the most kick-ass, unstoppable version of yourself, building a life of alignment and flow that you deserve, and taking a holistic approach to health and wellness. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at sandyyang.hd. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome, happy Friday. Well, it depends on when you're listening to this. But I'm excited to introduce you to my friend Naomi, who is today's guest on the podcast. Naomi and I met when we did our human design reader training. She is also a projector, so if you are a projector, you're looking to be expanded by other projectors. How do they solicit invitations? Oh my god, like I kid you not, just this week, I encountered several people who recently found out about their human design. They learned that they are a projector and they kind of looked up what it meant and they're really bummed about it. Like, they cannot accept it. Like, what the fuck? Why do I have to wait for the invitation? And that fucking tripped me up so much at first too because when we hear waiting for the invitation, it's like, oh, so I can't just go after things. I can't chase my dreams. I have to wait for people to recognize me and that just feels very, very disempowering and almost like a little scary, to be honest. If you have had a reading before with me, then you know that all of what I just listed is not the case. Human design language can be so confusing. So if you really want to understand your design deeper and let it be a tool to empower you, I will highly suggest booking a reading and book it with someone you resonate with. I have recently heard a few people be like, I got a reading, but I don't think it was helpful or I didn't like it. You really want to book it with someone you resonate with, you trust, you just feel good about. You don't want to book the cheapest reader you find. So that's my tip there. I think human design is an extremely helpful tool. And if you don't resonate with it, then just leave it, you know, not a big deal. Anyways, enough about my rent. I have an exciting announcement for you. I am hosting an energy healing circle on November 18th. That is going to be a Thursday and we're going to be having a lunar eclipse. Lunar eclipses are like basically super potent full moons. Lunar eclipses are powerful gateways to create major changes in our own lives. It's like a great opportunity to release energies that have felt stagnant or heavy in our energy field. We will also by releasing those old energies make room for the new. So this is a chance to align our energies to match our manifestations. So this is going to be pretty great. It's going to be 
an expansive experience for sure. You're going to walk away feeling renewed and magnetic. So if you want to be a part of this amazing event, there are actually two opportunities for you to participate. You can sign up in the link in the show notes and I cannot wait to support you. In today's episode though, I have my amazing friend Naomi here with me and she is a projector, 1-3 profile, splenic authority. You know, the splenic authority thing was really hard for me to grasp when I was learning about human design and I'm always like really curious how splenic authority folks experience this authority for themselves. If you don't know what that means, splenic authority is one of the ways people can make decisions based on their human design. So you could be sacral authority where you follow your gut response, like what makes you feel lit up physically? What makes you feel energized and passionate about? So sacral is a huge one. Another really common one is emotional authority, which we have a whole podcast episode about, writing out your emotional wave and still like at the end of the day, Go with what lights you up emotionally. And splenic authority is a little quieter compared to emotional and sacral. If you have read about it on the internet, it probably will say like, oh, it's this quiet voice that comes and goes. And that sounds confusing. So I like to explain it as you have this sense within you is almost like animals subconsciously just knowing where to go, what to eat, where to not go, what's dangerous, what is good for them. So it's like this internal knowing and it is not like sacral where it's very apparent. It is more like a quiet knowing. So if you're splenic authority or you have a defined spleen in your human design chart, you can strengthen this quality by creating more peace in your day since it is this quieter voice and you want to make sure it feels welcome and that you can hear them when they're speaking to you. So in this episode, we talk deeper into it and yeah we also talk about cognition which is super fun did you know okay so I know a lot of people are looking to become more intuitive and the cognition piece is actually really useful and fun to dig into we talk about our own cognition in this episode Cognition in human design is like your strongest sense. And it plays very heavily in how we experience the world. So that is a really fun, interesting piece. I really want you to hear about it and look yours up if you haven't already. Naomi also provided a lot of solid advice that's really actionable and digestible for people who have a relatively quote-unquote open chart. 
So a lot of people have charts that have a lot of white centers, like undefined centers. And when you have a lot of undefined centers, you're going to feel a little vulnerable to the world. Like, oh, you are almost like more empathic. And even though that could be really helpful and it comes with a lot of gifts, it can also be very overwhelming. Imagine you just like picking up other people's energy in all those different areas. So she shared some great nuggets about navigating that. And I'm actually going to shut up and let you enjoy the episode. If you think this episode can be beneficial to someone, can expand someone, remember to share the love. All right, you guys, enjoy. I'm so glad we're doing this and I'm excited to like talk a lot about, you know, splenic authority, the whole like projector thing, the one three thing, because like I experienced that too. And I'm just like, oh, I will be curious like how you experience it as like a human design expert. Um, just as someone who um, is about like integrating human design stuff into your day to day. Yeah, I'm excited. I love talking about this. Okay, so let's kind of just like get into it. Um, I would love to have you introduce yourself um, to the audience, who you are, your human design, your astrology, sun, moon, <laughs> rising, um, all that good stuff. So my name is Naomi Nakamura. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've spent the past six years working as a functional nutrition health coach and then recently shifted to, I don't want to say I'm doing different work. I think I'm doing the same work, just taking things a step deeper beyond the plate and really making human design the focus of my approach and the work that I do. I'm a 1-3 Splenic projector. I am... A, I guess my sun is Sagittarius, my moon is Scorpio, and my rising is Aries. So I know there's a lot of fire there. I'm not totally the expert on astrology, but I do spend some time reading through it. So I'm familiar. I've had a natal reading, but yeah, one three splenic projector. I also have like two fire signs. I have like a Sagittarius moon and a Leo sun. Ooh. Yeah. Um, how do you resonate with this? Was it the Scorpio moon? Yeah, you know, I, like I said, I'm not that well versed in astrology. But yeah, this the Scorpio moon, I, total transparency, before having my natal chart reading, I would only read my sun sign. So I didn't even really know that much about the Scorpio moon or really even the or, or Aries rising. So I'm still think, I think I'm still trying to process how, how that shows up for me. Um, there's a lot of intensity though in my, uh, in my chart. Mm, I have a friend who is like a triple Scorpio, like sun, moon rising and like other stuff too. So she's like super Scorpio. I guess Scorpio is very much like, like they like to go deep and they don't like to bullshit. Yes. And a lot of, people closest to me have that as their sun sign. So I definitely see that in them. Oh, okay. I have a lot of Sagittarius friends and a lot of Libra friends. So it's kind of interesting how like we hmm. get along, you know? Um, okay. So one, three splenic projector. So um, 
before we dive into that, I would love to like just you know get to know you with some <laughs> rapid fire questions. I love doing these. Sure. So, are you ready? I think so. I mean, they're fun and easy. <laughs> so, Let's first question: it. How do you start your day? So, I try to start my day every morning with. A workout, and prior to the pandemic, I never thought I could work out at home, but you know, I was kind of forced to. Yeah. So I I've been doing Apple Fitness Plus workouts, which is great because there's like all different kinds, and every Monday there's new ones uploaded. So I start my day with that, and then I take my dog out for a walk, and then I come home and have a smoothie for breakfast. Like that's the same thing every single day. I love that so much. Um, tell me about your arrows. My my uh, on my chart. Yeah. So I have the top left one pointing left.、Mm-hmm. So active brain,、mm-hmm. and everything else pointing right, passive. Oh. oh, okay, interesting. I have like three passive arrows, and my、um, manifestation strategy is the only left arrow.、Um, so、oh, that's you, interesting. Yeah, I love the way you start your mornings.、Um, so you do like a. Like an Apple Fitness workout, I've actually never、um, tried it out, but I would love you to dive a little deeper about working out as a projector because I get this question all the time. People think like projectors are supposed to be like you know yogis or you know、um, like they don't do very much actively.、Um, so tell us about you know how has you know your worked out. You know how has your workout shifted and changed、um, since learning about your human design? That's actually a big part of my human design experience. So, just a little bit history.、Um, what was the catalyst of me pursuing a health coach certification? Was I spent a lot of years、um, doing long distance endurance training, so training for marathons and half marathons and whatnot, and I, I really severely burned out. I overtrained and had really extreme adrenal dysfunction, and that was the turning point, and that's what led me to do a health coach certification.、Um, when I learned about human design, specifically being a projector, one thing that really stood out for me was that, you know, as being a non-sacral, sacral people they know when enough is enough, and as a non-sacral, that's not something that. Came naturally to me, and I was like, "My gosh, yeah, that's like I totally overtrained, and I always have this drive to like push myself and do more." But you know, I also have undefined root, and so with that came this、um, awareness, really body awareness, that I really need—I really need to be in tune with my body because from experiencing adrenal dysfunction. To discovering human design, there is about a three or four year gap there, and I really feel like I floundered during those years because I kind of again go through extremes, right, of doing too much and then not doing anything, and I just couldn't find this balance. And so, having this awareness of how being a non-sacral and how that shows up in my design really resonated with me, along with having an undefined root. And so I really, the reason I like Apple Fitness Plus is that、um, 
there are 10, 20, and 30 minute interval workouts. And there's all different disciplines. So there is, you know, the, the whole intense hit or cardio, but then there's also dance, which is also cardio, but in a lot more fun way that's less intense, or there's yoga or there's Pilates. And so to me, learning about my human design has helped me redefine my relationship with workouts and with exercise. So I need to be more mindful about my output and how much energy I'm putting out. But I also want to make sure that I'm still moving my body because, you know, as I get older, I'm starting to feel like the aches and pains that come with that. So I guess I'm, it's opened my, um, I'm open to doing a lot more different kinds of workouts and it's reframed it where I, I can now see that I can get a really effective workout in 20 or 30 minutes, as opposed, I, I don't need to be in the gym during hard cardio for like an hour or going out for like a double digit run for two hours a day. Like it, I can be, I can get a really good workout in this short amount of time, which really works well for projectors, right? Doing the, the interval type of, of workouts. Yeah. Sounds super efficient. <laughs> Well, that's another thing about projectors, right? We try to be uh, efficient with our energy. Yeah, totally. I so um, I resonate with that a lot. Um, so you've been working out by yourself. Um, like, do you enjoy that? Because like for me, I'm a projector too. And I really crave working out with other people like in a studio or something. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like during the pandemic, everybody had just had to just like, do whatever um, worked for them. And, um, but like going back to studio was like the best feeling for me. Um, just like feeding off like the sacral energy from the others. I find it really hard to motivate myself. Well, yes, that is true. But I also, and I don't know what part of my design this comes from. So if you have any input, feel free to share. But I, I also don't like to be on someone else's schedule. And that was the one thing I, I had a hard time with, with, you know, going to the classes at the gym or whatnot, was that I was on someone else's schedule. Like, I like to have that um, freedom over my own schedule. And so I actually also worked out twice a week on Zoom with my trainer, which I actually still do because it's just really convenient where I don't have to get in the car and drive anywhere. But on Apple Fitness Plus, they have a, a trainer leading the workout, and then they have two other trainers who also do the workout with you. So I guess I'm not physically in their presence, but yet they're also present. Oh, is it like a live class? It's not live. It's all recorded, but there's a whole, there's um, like, they have their cast and I don't know why I just said cast. They don't call them cast. Like they have (laughs) trainers for every discipline. Like they have their rowing trainers, their running trainers, their dance instructors. They have all these people, but they all support each other in, in the workout. So you could have like a hit, a person teaching a hit workout, but then have a yoga instructor and a dance instructor also doing it with them. Mm. Oh, that's very interesting. And, I've never and I heard actually, that it, yeah. And I actually follow some of them on Instagram. So you really kind of get to know them personally. So it kind of in a, in a stalkerish kind of way, it's kind of, <laughs> you feel like you're doing it with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, love this morning routine. I think like how we start the day, whether that's like a super strict routine or just like some ritual that you, you know, follow, that's like so important. Like taking that, you know, one to two hour to like start things right actually creates more time in the day. I 
100% agree. And you talked about how you have a smoothie every single morning. What's your <laughs> smoothie? So I, it's kind of the same. And I've had a smoothie for breakfast every day for like over a decade. But I do like half a cup of frozen raspberries, half a cup of frozen blueberries. And then I do a, um, a blend of almond coconut milk. And then I add some dandelion greens and maybe some parsley or so, like some kind of greens to it. But then I load it with, because I like a crunchy smoothie, I load it with like cacao nibs and cacao powder. I put some kamu kamu for vitamin C. I put in some cinnamon to help balance blood sugar. I, I use some, I add in some protein, um, some L-glutamine and then almonds. Oh, yeah. that sounds delicious. It's, it's my breakfast every morning. For like years, you, you have the same smoothie. Yeah, I mean, sometimes like I'll, like I said, I switch up the greens or I'll switch up the fruit that I use. But for the most part, yeah, I just, I really like the crunchiness. And so the almonds and the cacao nibs are super cr- critical for me. Oh, okay. I love that. Adding texture. I mm-hmm. love it when like, you know, sometimes you're in like a mood for like crunchy and you just like add the cacao nibs, but like in the end, ev- after everything has been blended in, just like blend it for like two seconds. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. so I blend everything together and then I add the almonds in last so that mm. they don't get super fine. Yeah. Um, what is a product that you can't live without right now? My aura ring. Oh, okay. Tell us about that because that is like a sleep tracking device right and sleeping for projectors is like so important so tell us more so sleep has been a lifelong battle really I think ever since I was a kid you know in hindsight I look back sleep has always been a battle for me I've never been a very good sleeper and so having this again it's a different level of awareness and so it does track my sleep um you know as I've been I've been using it since January so it has nine at least nine months of data so based upon the aggregate data it it recommends uh an hour window of what's the best time for me to go to sleep every single day and then in the morning it tells me how I slept but not just in terms of duration but it tells me like how much of it was light sleep how much of it was REM how much it was deep sleep and I find that You know, I can get eight hours of sleep and not feel very rested, or I can get like six hours and feel very rested. And the the differentiating factor factor for that for me is the deep sleep. So it's taught me that deep sleep is key for me to feeling rested. I also like it because it measures how well my body has recovered from the day before. So when I talked about, I would always push myself and I overtrained. A lot of that came from my body didn't have enough recovery time. And yet I would still go out and do a hard workout the next day, which just depleted my body even more. And so with the sleep, and it also measures your resting heart rate, your body temperature, all of these things, it gives you a score. And that score tells you if your body's recovered from the previous day. And if so, then I'll go out and do a more intense workout. And if it hasn't, then maybe that's a day where I do some yoga or some low intensity workout. So it's really helped me again with body awareness because I really feel like human design 
is a way for us to learn body, mind, and emotional awareness. But sometimes we need other things to support that. And so I, my aura ring has really helped me in terms of managing my health that way. Mm, yeah, I love data too. And I also, um, I'm really trying hard to make sleep a priority. Mm-hmm. And um, with the aura ring, so you learn that um, the quality of deep sleep and the length of deep sleep is like how well you feel the next day so, yeah so it's it's um, not even like oh I got eight hours but I'm still tired it's like well yeah. I got eight hours but it was less you know that less than 30 minutes of deep sleep right so any tips on like getting more deep sleep I think I can only speak from my own experience but like I said, it gives me a window of what my recommended bedtime is. And I've, I've experimented with this for the past nine months. When I go to sleep within that window, I get my best sleep. And so that means I get a decent amount of deep sleep. When I don't, when I stay up too late, it never works out well for me. I don't know. I can't explain the technology behind it. But if I just follow their recommended bedtime, that's usually when I get I I wake up feeling most rested. I also, so I've also done other things just for sleep hygiene where I don't have any devices in my room, which is why actually why I use the aura ring because I don't want to sleep with like a watch on or anything. So I try not to have any devices. I don't have a TV in my room. Um, I keep the temperature pretty cool and I sleep with an eye mask. Oh, I love the cool temperature. I also do the eye mask. It's like a life-changing thing. Exactly. Um, Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. Um, with like sleeping, um, you know, having taken sleep very seriously and experimenting with the aura ring for the last nine months, like, have you just like noticed maybe your skin is healthier? Um, just like your mind being like clearer, like more positivity, anything like that. Cause I feel like, um, when I have slept well, the world is just a better place. When I sleep well, I feel like a brand new person. And I feel like I, 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 um, I have less anxiety and I have more resilience to handle things better. Yeah, I also recently learned that um, like you can get 10 hours, not, not 10 hours, eight hours every single day. But if you sleep like one day you sleep at nine, the next day you sleep at 11 and the next day you sleep at like nine again, um, that inconsistency in bedtime actually makes your sleep less efficient. Uh, yeah, that, I, I found that true. Again, I've, um, like I said, I've struggled with sleep my whole life. So this is something that I've really been working on for a long time. And especially when I was doing a lot of endurance running, um, I almost got obsessive about it just because I would want to get up and like be out the door for my run at like 6am, right. Which means I had to be up at five, which means I had to go to bed early. Um, but yeah, you know, I would, and I think that was when I got really disciplined to make sure that I went to bed the same amount of, at the t- same time on the weekends as I did on the weekday. Cause here's what would happen on the weekends. I would get tired, right. We all have the same amount of time at night, usually that we get tired, but on the weekends, I would push through that to stay up later. So then I would get this second wave. And once the second wave hit, I realized that that was guaranteed for me not to have a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I really have to follow that first wave of tiredness and just roll with it. And so it's, it's a little bit hard because sometimes my aura ring will say, well, your best bedtime tonight was, will be between 8.45 and 9.45. And, you know, during the summer at 8.45, it's still light outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and it takes me a while for, um, you know, I, again, non-sacral, it takes me a while for my body to wind down and prepare for bed. Oh, dude, same. Um, I remember there was this one time I um, went to like Costco at like 8.30. And that night I just felt so just like- Wired, right? Wired, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've done a lot of experimentation. Third line around my, my sleep at least. And so, yeah, the aura ring just really added a lot more information to that, especially, you know, as someone who- I don't know when enough is enough, meaning I don't know when I've done too much of something and I don't know when I've done not enough of something. Yeah, it's like something I struggle with too. Um, Yeah, so I hear you completely, Um, especially like with food. Like when I eat by myself, I'm like, okay, I just want to eat this. But when I go out with like, maybe like a generator friend who is like a sacral being, um, it's like, Maybe I was going to get a salad, but they decided to get a burger. I'm like, oh, that actually sounds kind of good. You know, interesting you say that because there I've noticed there has been many times where I've been home alone and I'm like, I don't even know what to eat because nothing sounds good. But then the minute like I open Instagram and I see something or, you know, my friend posts what they're eating and I'm like, oh, I need that. It's kind of like when I look at a lot of food bloggers, it's like, oh, I want to make that. I want to eat that. Yes. I want to try this. Yeah. Um, and that is like the thing with being a non-sacral, um, not having like a defined sacral center. It's not like you don't know what you want because you do. Um, but it's like you are um, able to kind of experience and like tap into other people's desires for things, which can yes. be like fun. But obviously like knowing um, your boundaries and, um, kind of just like balancing it out is like a experimentation for sure. Yeah. Knowing like where you end and where they begin. Yeah. And like that got me thinking, um, when I was in college, you know, like early 20 days, I would, um, like I have never had a good tolerance for alcohol or any sort of substances. Um, and like, I will always like, you know, have, max three drinks now be like gone um do you find that with like tolerance for things um that's a good question let me think about that I think well I don't drink alcohol so I can't compare it to that but I think again getting back to exercise so when I started getting into training for long distances I didn't have any friends who did but through social media I made a lot of friends locally in my community who did that as well. And so we became real life friends and I was definitely influenced by them, but, you know, starting off, I, I was doing five K's and 10 K's and I was like, Oh, I can do a half marathon. And then I thought, well, I have zero desire to do a marathon. And then I was around all of these people who did marathons and all of a sudden, like I'm training for marathons, you know, and it's, and I actually think in hindsight, I actually don't think that was the best decision for my body. Um, 
but I was like so wrapped up in that world because literally everyone who I spent time with socially was in that world. And then as I wasn't able to do it anymore and I kind of left that world again, my circle of friends shifted where um, I still have those friends, but I don't spend as much time with them. And so that's actually not even something I desire to do anymore. Yeah. As you were talking, I'm thinking about your Omdefine G Center. Yes. So well, that and is, also yeah. in the third line, right? With bonds are made, bonds are made and broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you have like two defined centers in human design. Um, can you share how you um, make sure you're like, well taken care of and thriving and like living your best life with you know seven undefined centers that kind of just like means you know you are vulnerable I wouldn't say impressionable I'm impressionable I'm 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 easily influenced I'm very much aware like that is my case I think a lot of it came with um you know, just with age and with learning life experiences and life lessons. Um, But now that I'm aware of my human design, I think I am, I do a lot more observation. That's a lot of things I talk to my clients about is a lot of, I see human design as this like lifelong experiment. Yeah. And a lot of the learning, like, uh, you know, I can explain their chart to them, but a lot of the transformation is going to come about through self-observation with non-judgment and so I try to do a lot of that myself and you know I spend a lot of time alone I work at home I live alone and so I think in that sense that's kind of in a way healthy for me Um, but also when I spend time with other people I I've never felt comfortable in huge crowds so my my circle of friends are always in small groups. So I think I'm also a little bit protective there about how much energy I'm exposed to at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, learning about the undefined root and the undefined cycle center was huge for me. And so now that I'm aware of that, I really try to have some, you know, protect myself around that the g center thing and we had a conversation about this a couple weeks ago i'm still exploring that and it's it's really fascinating for me um and the same thing with the undefined head and undefined ajna yeah um the undefined g is all about like identity so that is like at its core like you're meant to like explore and like have a fluid sense of identity so um having fun with that um I mean that sounds fun to me like for me I'm just like always me (laughs) so I also know you have an undefined emotional center um so tell us about that because I feel like a lot of people are like oh my god like I'm a non-emotional being, like, how do I, you know, um, protect myself? Like, the world is so overwhelming. And um, you sound like you, not like you have it all figured out, but you're doing very well in this area. So can you, like, share some tips for the non-emotionals? Well, it wasn't always like this. I, 
I actually, you know, so much about human design is learning how to heal from childhood wounds. And so I spent a lot of time reviewing both of my parents' human design charts to see where, you know, where I might have been influenced. And just for context, my mom is a manifesting generator and my dad is a generator and I have one sibling who's a manifesting generator. So I had a lot of that energy around me. And so, you know, especially in my younger years, I feel like I did get caught up in other people's emotions, really high highs, really low lows, feeling anger, feeling joy. But I think, well, for one thing, I, it was about nine years ago, I started working from home, you know, and we're at our jobs like eight, nine hours a day. So I think energetically, that was a huge shift for me where I spent the large part of my day at home with no one else around. So that really helped me to, um, I guess, learn how to separate my feelings versus other people's. And then, um, yeah, I've, again, a lot of observations with non-judgments, but I, you know, I've thought about this a lot, emotional versus non-emotional, because I also feel like there have been times where people who now I know are emotional, have emotional authorities, they, um, like, they actually have told me that I, um, not in this exact words, but basically that I'm cold hearted because I like, I don't feel things, which, you know, without having the context of being a non-emotional, I didn't quite know how to take, but now that I do, I'm like, oh yeah, cause I'm a non-emotional person. Like I don't take offense by that because I have context of that. So, you know, I think with the non-emotional, you can either get really caught up in someone else's emotions, or you can be almost detached in a way. Yeah. Like a therapist, you are just like holding space and like reflecting back you yeah not getting not getting absorb you can just right. observe exactly not getting caught up in the energy of the emotion not that this doesn't happen because it does happen from time to time but I think I'm a lot more aware of when it is happening mm. so like can you give us an example like if I'm on a phone call with someone who's very highly emotional charged, like, it, and this I can, can be, this other person can be non-emotional or emotional, right? Right. Yeah. Like just whatever person I'm interacting with, if they are in a highly charged emotional state, whether that be joy or anger, I feel, I feel it building in myself. And then I feel it come out some way too. Like I, if I see somebody crying, I'm going to start crying too. And I'm not a crier. Like things don't, like, I don't cry on it. You know how some people like they cry about everything? I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I, I don't. But then yet when I'm around, like whenever I see somebody crying about something, I will cry in response to them crying, not necessarily the reason that they're crying. That is so interesting to me because <laughs> I'm <laughs> emotional. So is it like you notice that tears are coming out, but you're not sad? Um, no, I, I feel their emotion, but like, say they're crying because of something in, you know, in reaction to, to whatever they're experiencing. I'm crying because I, I'm reacting to their emotion, not of the situation that they're having a reaction to. Like oh. I can feel the emotion in them. Like if they're crying because someone passed, somebody who I don't even know, like I'm crying because they feel sad, not because of that. 
if okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Someone really close to me told me about how when his friends are sad because like a breakup or whatever, he feels very sad. I'm like, I don't, I've never <laughs> felt that in my life. <laughs> so that's kind of um, the difference between emotional and non-emotional. Like everybody has emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a different experience. Like for me, I'm like so occupied with my own emotions that I like, I can see somebody else is sad and I can be like sympathetic, but I'm not like feeling there. Feels. See, that's so interesting because I feel like I do a good job of containing my own emotions, but I get really easily caught up in other people's. Mm. So how do you almost like detach from that? If I'm able to, uh, I will remove myself from the situation. Uh-huh. You know, whether if it's like on a phone call or I'm like, you know, I, I can't continue this conversation right now. I, I need a moment. Can we come back to this? Mm, I love that. Or, you know, in the same way, if it's in person, if it can even be something I'm watching on TV. This is <laughs> too much. <laughs> this is too much. And I just like turn it off. Mm, okay. Okay. So like knowing that your own energy is precious and like kind of managing that and having boundaries boundaries and like tools in place to, you know, um, not get to a place of like overwhelm. Yes, that is huge for me. And it's not easy to establish those boundaries with people who aren't as aware of how helpful they are or who, who, the people who aren't used to having boundaries established with them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's Um, hard. Yeah, it is. It, I find that, um, it just takes a while for the other person to like, kind of process like, okay, this is like her having her boundaries and honoring them. And that's like a healthy thing to do. Maybe I should like do that too. But like the initial reaction is not necessarily. Yeah. It's it's not about them. It's mm-hmm. about me. Yeah. Yeah. So when you do that, you're also like giving the other person permission to do that for themselves. Absolutely. Like I, I wish they would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so like, what is like the favorite part of your human design chart? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I will say the, um, well, there are two things. Finding out I'm a projector explains so much to me just about how, and, and then also my inv- my strategy of waiting for the invitation. And I was thinking about this and funny story. I remember when I was a kid and I must've been kindergarten or first grade because I had the same teacher in kindergarten and first grade. I remember in a parent teacher conference, she told my mother that basically I was giving a lot of unsolicited advice. And so, yes, this is at that age, like five or six. And she had told me, and remember, she looked at me and said, maybe someday you'll be a teacher where you can run your own classroom. Right, right. But I was like, oh, I was doing like projector energy from like when I was really, you know, at that age. But I just didn't have the context of like, wait for the invitation because nobody wants unsolicited advice. But yet I feel like I have a lot of advice to give. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Then the other part is the one, three, my profile lines, because I've, 
it's this running joke in my family that I have this random like trivia knowledge of like you know and they kind of make fun of me for it but then I realized like oh that's like my one line of wanting to know everything about whatever it is I'm interested in. And so it's not uncommon for me to be watching a movie or watching something on TV and then wikipedia whatever that is right in the moment, just because like, I want to know more about it. And so like my family always makes fun of me for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they always make fun of me for like, I always have to try new things. And they're like, why do you have to try it? I'm like, because I want to know what it's like. And so learning that I was a one three, you know, the one line having this finding safety and security and, and knowledge and wanting all this knowledge. And then the three and learning by trial and error, it just, it really made me feel okay that it was okay to be me because that was who I am. Yeah. Um, I so resonate with that. (laughs) And um, my friend and I were talking about this. I was saying how when I first got into like health and wellness, you know, there are a lot of cool products to try in the United States is like, really fun. Um, I'm at this place where I'm like, okay, it's another product, you know, I'm not like, I'm not going to try this. I know it's just like marketing and stuff. But in the beginning, I'll be like, oh, um medicinal mushrooms and like cacao and mct oil and like all those things i was like i need to try it all on my own mm-hmm. body yep i tried all those things too <laughs> yeah i'm finally at a place where i'm like okay it's just like you've, you've done it's it like, and it's yeah like, yeah know, again bonds made and broken <laughs> yeah yeah so much money spent <laughs> <laughs> that too <laughs> Um, I think the profiles are really fun. It's kind of like your astrology sun sign. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you're a projector, um, but like it gives you like a deeper flavor. Yes. Yeah. Um, so with like the one line, um, what are you like learning right now that you can't stop? Um, I think, well, we talked about the arrows. So I'm still really digging into my arrows, my variables and, you know, my determination and my cognition and my environments. And I still, I'm still trying to wrap my head around those in my profile. And I can definitely see how certain of those things have been themes throughout my life and how some of them, I'm still observing how they, how they show up for me. But if somebody were to ask me where I'm spending a lot of my time in human design, that's where I'm spending my time is really trying to to observe and learn how my variables show up for me. Mm. I am curious, what is your um, digestive type and strongest sense? Digestive type is high sound. Okay. And that's where I'm like, I'm still trying to process that. Okay. Um, From what I know. know yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's not like, you know, hot and cold, right? Or it's not like, you know, alchemized or not alchemized. And so this is, it's different. And so I'm, I would love to hear your thoughts. Okay. I know a few high sounds in my life. Um, one of them, she's a two, four profile, um, manifesting generator. And to me, high sound, um, means the person does really well with audio. So like, you know, um, like voice memoing, which I know you do. I do voice memoing, you know, listening to like, like, you know how people are like into affirmations. So they might like 
record it and like play it when they're like getting ready for the day, when they're like doing laundry or something. So absorbing information through audio, like audibles, podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And um, the other piece is not saying like every meal has to be like this, but they love to host. Like they love to like, like they're almost like the life of the party. Like they love to like, you know, gather and um, talk and eat with other people. Do you resonate with that? Not the host part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a lot of work, but I do love to be in gatherings and I love to, you know, have a meal with other people. Um, but, you know, a lot of determination is about how you nourish your brain. And mm -hmm. I definitely process information the best when I'm hearing something. So you asked about my strongest sense. So my cognition is external vision. So I'm very sensory driven. Yeah. And so, yes, um, in terms of audio, that is probably my favorite way of learning which is why whenever I um, taught programs, I would always offer a video or just an audio component. And I have no idea if my clients, which they preferred, but, you know, I always try and offer something in the way I would, I, I prefer to consume. And, and that, I mean, I have a podcast, so, <laughs> so that, that is, that is how I best consume information is audio wise. But with the cognition, it's for me, it's external vision. So I'm very, I appreciate aesthetic things. Yeah, I, um, when I first dig into the cognition piece, the external vision, um, what I learned in the beginning was like, okay, you actually um, really value aesthetics and that is like so correct for you. Um, so when you, let's say you are looking for an apartment and you go to like check out the place and you think it looks like crap, this is probably just like not the place for you. And it's not about being judgmental. Same with like making friends, you know, um, dating someone. If you don't like the way they look, it doesn't mean they're ugly. It just means they're not right for you. So I have a good example of that. I am. Um, I have a thing where I don't like ugly websites. <laughs> And they don't have to be like this beautiful, sophisticated thing, but they have to be clean and the information's presented in a way that is easily consumable and like not cluttered because to me that is aesthetically pleasing. And when I see someone with a very, very poorly designed website, I don't want to work with them. And they could be the best at what they do, but that's not going to be motivating for me. And I'm not your coach. Right. And I, I actually, you know, and when you, when we, when I got started, a lot of people was like, well, you shouldn't spend so much time on your website because that should be the last thing. And I'm like, oh no, it, it's important for me. And I actually spend a lot of time on my website because it's important for me and how I present myself. Like I want to make sure that I am, what I'm presenting is aesthetically pleasing for other people. That was like my biggest aha when I learned about my external vision. I love that so much. It's like <laughs> when you feel good about your website and like maybe your Instagram feed, you feel like confident in your business. 
Right. And, you know, and this is not a judgment on other people and websites may not be a priority for other people. And that's totally fine. It's not a judgment on them. It's just how it's what's important to me. Yeah. I so agree with that. What, wait, what is your cognition? Um, my cognition is feeling. Hmm. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, so for you, like liking the way things look like does, does, does please your eyes is very important. It helps you like almost like discern what's for you versus not. I have a friend, I actually have a few friends who, um, their cognition is smell and they will literally be like, I don't like the way this place smells. And I'm just like, I don't actually smell anything. <laughs> And like, so interesting. yeah, they think their pets, their significant others smell really good. So that's kind of like how they pick and choose without like, you know, um, like logical reason. That's like how they, you know, determine what is right for them. Um, yeah. So it's just interesting. And you know, like, I, yeah. Tell me if you observe this when I'm doing a reading with a client, I really pay attention to the words that they use. Because a lot of times the words that they use somehow resonate from their design and they have, they don't even know it. Like someone with an emotional authority will say, well, I feel this, or I feel that. Whereas someone else with, you know, with a splenic authority might be like, well, I know this and I know that. Or someone else, you know, I have a mental projector client who's like, well, I think this. And, you know, and it's just like the words that they use, I'm like, and they have no context that they're doing it. Exactly. I have like, you know, I'm emotional authority and my cognition is feeling. And I'm always like, I feel like blah, blah, blah. And I almost annoy myself at one point. Like, why do you <laughs> say that all the time? Like, no one fucking cares. Then um, the cognition piece, I totally agree. And um, yeah, my friend will be like, this place smells funny or this thing smells fishy, like this situation smells fishy. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like, well, it looks like this or it seems like this. And, and, and then I'm like, well, I'm external vision. You know, I'm laughing to myself because yeah. I'm realizing that I'm unconsciously using these words. Right. So cool. Um, so you mentioned splenic authority. How does that work? I'm still trying to figure it out. No, actually, <laughs> I've always trusted my intuition and I can't explain it. But even when I was a kid, I always felt that like I could trust myself. Mm -hmm. And knowing, well, learning that I had a scenic authority kind of put things in a different perspective where I'm now observing ways that my spleen might be communicating with me but I just didn't notice and so here's an example I mentioned that you know for the past since 2015 I've worked as a, a health coach and you and I first met I guess it was at the end of last summer early fall when we started doing our human design coaching certification program and then at the end of the year about December I started doing readings for clients and I had this really strong feeling, but it was just in passing that it was time to shift my work from health coaching to human design. And then of course the mind takes over. Right. And I was like, Oh, I can't do that. Like I have, you know, my podcast is based upon this. I have like five years worth of content. Like I, I've built my, myself in doing the nature of this work. I can't just shift. And so I didn't. And it, 
it would come back to me like every few weeks or every couple months. But during that time, for like the first half of this year, I had zero desire to talk about any of my offerings, my coaching. I was offering sugar detox programs. I energetically had no desire to talk about any of it. If, if you were following me on social media, I didn't talk about it once. Maybe but you once. just disappeared. I just disappeared. I didn't email my email community. I like did nothing with it because the energy just wasn't there. And then I, I was doing some visual rebranding, freshening up my visual brand, working with someone who's a creative director. And she didn't know any of this part of myself. And she, out of the blue one day, just said, have you ever thought about just like letting go of health coaching and just focusing on human design exclusively? And I was like, where did that come from? And she's like, no, no. And, and she does energy work too. And she's like, it's just a feeling I got for you. And I don't know if that was my invitation that I had been waiting for, but that really just felt like that was my permission to do that. And then the knowing and the spleen just kept coming through again. And so I, I've recently made the shift just in the past couple of months. And I can't tell you energetically, it feels so much different. I feel excited to talk about these things and I don't know how people find me, but I've had this steady stream of clients coming to learn more about this. And so, you know, this is what happens when you don't listen to your authority. In this case, my spleen kept, you know, it's almost like a whisper in my ear that I kept ignoring. And then I didn't listen to it and it kind of just drained my energy and I wasn't getting the results I hoped for, but I also didn't have the desire to put in the work to get the results I was hoping for. And then once I did, because thankfully, you know, the spleen can come and go. And so I always have again, my voice memo app or a notebook with me to write things down because the spleen can come and, and speak to you once and then it can leave. So if I, I always have these ideas coming to me and so if I don't write things down, I'll forget about them. But this one kept coming back over and over. And once I finally decided to follow my authority, energetically things just shifted. I love that so fucking much. <laughs> Um, the spleen thing, like I have a completely open spleen, so I don't really know how it feels like. And when I first learned about the splenic authority is like, oh, you hear it once and then it goes away and it's like quiet. That makes people have anxiety. It does. It does. It was like, oh, why if I miss it? Um, but like, I love your story because it just goes to show that what is meant for you can't miss you. And it will just like come back again. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's almost like you had a sign and you didn't feel sure about that, but like, I overthought a signier sign. Yes. I like, it it was like, it was coming to me and then I would overthink it. Right. Justifying all these reasons why I shouldn't do it Mm -hmm. because, oh, I put in all this work to it. Well, okay. But does it mean I can't, that work still isn't valid. It's just, there's another shift to go in. Yeah. And your clients and your audience get to evolve with you. And mm-hmm. maybe some people will be like, I don't want to follow Naomi because she's talking about like human design shit now, but like you will find other people who are excited and want to learn more from you. It's so funny you bring that up because that is something I've been observing as, and I feel like they really made this long transition to explain. And like I said, I don't even feel like I'm doing different work because 
in functional nutrition, you're, you're really looking for the root cause of things. Well, I feel like human design, again, takes it beyond our plate because we can be having thyroid issues, right? And we can be doing all these lab tests and everything, but what's really at the root of our problems? And a lot of times it's anxiety and it's stress. And so why are we experiencing those things? A lot of times we're out of alignment and human design is aware of up-leveling our awareness around that. So in a way, it is how we are addressing root cause of things. It's just a different approach that goes a level deeper. And so as I've made this shift, it's been interesting to, yes, I'm attracting new clients. Yes, it's people who don't want to hear this anymore. So they leave and that's fine. And that just means energetically, they're not quite ready for this, but then a large part have stayed with me because they are. And to me, I've just been, it's been a curious observation. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I am obsessed with what you just said, because like when I think about my own experience, um, I felt like I was um, at one point just like really not doing well with food. Like I would restrict and then I'll be like having a fucking moment and be like, I'm just going to eat whatever the fuck I want, which is like usually not the healthiest thing. And like, that was really just like from me living out of alignment, feeling like so unsatisfied and life is like, so just a fucking drain. But when I learn about my human design, it's like, okay, like all this, all these things that I've always thought about wanting, um, but never really knew if, okay, am I actually supposed to do this? Or just like, didn't want to pursue our fear. Like, okay, I'm actually meant to do this. And I feel unsatisfied because I'm not doing those things or stepping to like those qualities. That's why I'm like numbing with, you Well, know, yeah, because we're so conditioned that there's a certain way that's established in the world that we're all meant to live by. And if you think about it, a lot of our world is, is built around the generator manifesting generator energy, right? I mean, they make up like collectively 70% of the population. And so a lot of our society is structured around that. But if you're not one of, you know, if you don't have that sacral energy, then it's going to be hard for you to relate to it or to mold your life or yourself to that. And so you're not going to feel seen. You're not going to feel accepted because you're, you're feeling like you're being something that you deep down know that you're not. I don't know. That's how it was for me. I don't know. How, is, how does that, how did you feel about that? Um, I think a lot of um, sacral beings, they're like, burnt out and drained too so mm-hmm. um it's just like you know us like trying to be 10 percent more in alignment that goes a long way oh yeah. yeah yeah but um learning about like my incarnation cross which I want to talk about with you and like some of the gates and channels was like really empowering yeah I haven't spent a whole lot of time on my incarnation cross, to be honest, but it was, um, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about mine, to be perfectly honest. And I don't have like the textbook um, definition of it, but basically my incarnation cross basically said, I'm like this politician Mm. (laughs) where I like have this influential and I think actually think the book used the word manipulative I know which I was like "Ah, I just I don't know how I feel about this and so I'm actually still trying to explore what that's like for me 
yeah, I'm still exploring mine. Um, um, have you like kind of just like dig into, okay, like these four gates, do I resonate with them? A, a little bit. And I actually just had this conversation with somebody yesterday is that with I don't know about you, but like some of my gates are in undefined centers and some of them are in defined centers. So oh, then same. I was like, how does, how does that show up for me? How do I experience that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how I have been thinking about this is, um, so like when you have a defined center is like, a flavor that you have as a human being. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have a defined um, sacral center, um, it's like just the, like this life forcey, like juicy sacral passion, desire energy. So it's like, um, you just have that if you have a defined sacral. If you don't have a defined sacral, sometimes you feel life forcey, other times you don't. Um, so it's like each gate has like, a sacral feel in the sacral gate um it's kind of like spices so if you have a defined gate in a defined center that is like you sprinkle cinnamon on carrot but if you have a defined gate in an undefined center it's like your cinnamon and you're always yeah. cinnamon but like you can be sprinkled onto different foods yeah. <laughs> I get it no I get it I get it yeah. So I'm just, um, yeah. So like for my, my incarnation cross, basically like I have an influential energy, which, which gate is that? I think it's 26. Okay. Um, so I have 47, 26, 22, 45. Okay. And I don't have all the, I don't have all the gates memorized. So, I mean, there's 60. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, well, I think some people do, but I don't. So, but I know the 26 is the influential or like knowing how to message things. And so mm -hmm. I, I actually have never felt influential over people. And so that's something, actually, that's probably the one part of human design that I think surprised me. Cause I, I tend to say that when I start my readings, I'm like, you know, there's probably not a lot here that's going to be new information for you. I think a lot of it might be validating or it might be something that you've always known about yourself but never given yourself the space to explore mm -hmm. this part was kind of surprising for me yeah yeah I totally hear you it's kind of like people just need someone to put it into words yes yes but you know I never thought of myself as someone who had influential energy or knew how to um, message things to people and so I guess that's something I'm still observing yeah and like with those gates we have defined um it's not like you just like have it some of it is like oh you need to step into it mm -hmm. um or gradually. it's not always there all the time yeah like you know gate 10 is about like self-love and stuff and people I know with gate 10 in their incarnation cross is like I fucking hate myself and, <laughs> like, <laughs> but and, is it an undefined center for them um either or but yeah. it's like 
um, they're meant to be like a voice for self-love in the world. And they're like, well, I don't like myself. So I don't know how the fuck that's supposed to work out. And it's well, like, you know, okay. just because you have a center defined doesn't mean you're going to experience it in the, in the healthiest way either, right? It's, it's, a, it's a constant fixed energy, but you can also experience it in, in an unhealthy way. Yeah. And like my take on that also is like, okay, because you don't like yourself. So you're drawn to like, finding out ways you can yeah. and then you have like really valuable insights to share for okay. other people that makes the process easier for them yeah yeah so it can show up very differently <laughs> yeah it's just, it's so interesting huh yeah so the splenic authority is really cool um it has a lot to do from my understanding it has a lot to do with like just like subconscious knowing kind of like that animal subconscious knowing like oh this is dangerous um this person's here to be my friend don't get on that plane so um do you resonate with that yes I feel like I have that intuition where I can read people very well oh um and I can't explain it, but I feel like I do have that sense for myself. I can't really say, I, I can't say it for other people, but, you know, I can kind of feel people's intentions. Take, for example, on Instagram, right? We all have the people who slide into our DMs and yeah. And I, you know, there's some people who I feel like I have good, I have a good feeling about them. It's like something that I think can be very nurturing and then others. And I'm like, no. No, this is, you're not coming at me with like a good intention, which I don't know how, but I just, I feel like I'm a pretty good judge of character on people. Yes. And, so- and even to say that someone's not a good character, but they're maybe not, we wouldn't jive, if that makes sense. Wait, can you repeat that? <laughs> so, you know, in my, like when I say I have this intuition about people for myself, if I feel like someone is not a good fit for me, it's not saying that they're a bad person. Right, right. It's just that my intuition is telling me that they're not a good fit for me. Okay, I love that because it sounds like it's not super emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone, let's say like you're jealous of someone and you like fucking hate them and you're like, they're a bitch. Um, but really that's like super emotionally charged and they're probably not a bitch. But like, if you're like, okay, I just don't think this person has good intentions. I don't actually feel super charged around this. Then it is probably intuition. Yeah, I actually had this experience, gosh, it must have been about 10 years ago. And this is long before I ever knew about human design. And again, I had this community of friends and there was one person who just never clicked with her, you know, <laughs> and and they were um, there was actually this, supercharged event that happened that I was impacted more than she was, but she had a lot more of a stronger reaction to it than I did. And I just energetically pulled away. And I, you know, it wasn't like we had an argument or a fight or anything, but she noticed and she, she kind of called me out on it. And I was like, you know, I'm not angry with you or, you know, it's, I, I just don't think that we gel as people. So so I, and I wish you well, you know, and I don't know. I kind of feel like that's a little bit of my splenic authority coming in. I also probably some of my third line coming in. Yeah, um, I love that. It's like, I wish you well. I don't like you, but I don't hate you. I just don't think we're a good match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I love that. 
This has been a great conversation. <laughs> has <laughs> um, it? I hope it's been. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am enjoying this. Um, so I would love for people to connect with you. How can they find you? So my website is livefablife.com. And now that I said that, like, I am really like into aesthetics, I feel like people are going to go look at my website to see if it's aesthetically pleasing. I hope it is. <laughs> um, and then I'm on Instagram at um, livefablife with Naomi. And How do you live a fabulous life? So funny that actually came about because remember I said that the catalyst for me pursuing a health coach certification was overtraining. Mm -hmm. So that actually meant more functional and balanced. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of what live fab life started out as to just be more, more balanced about things. So that's kind of the little story behind that. Mm, Okay. And you have a podcast too. I do have a podcast. It was a live fab life podcast. So consistent been, across the board. Well, you know, again, so I'm also a undefined Ajna. So um, I'm creatively challenged and inspiration has to come to me from like external sources. So if I don't have an external source, I just kind of keep it really simple. And yeah, I love and actually it. that name Live Fab Life came to me from someone else. <laughs> I didn't think of it myself. But then when it came to doing, you know, my Instagram name and my podcast name, I just kept it all the same yeah yeah i love it so much okay thank you so much for coming on and i would love to chat more about human design with you in future episodes anytime my favorite topic to talk about it was an absolute joy to record with naomi we both love functional health and wellness human design and podcasting so i want you to check out naomi's podcast she has a lot of great topics covered and i also want you to check out her website because i looked it up it is very aesthetically pleasing it's beautiful it's legit and it's great i love it so much and um follow her on instagram at live fab life with naomi is really refreshing to learn human design from different human design readers, especially ones that make the information grounded, digestible, and actionable. And Naomi is definitely one of those people. Highly recommend her. And yeah, if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. That really helps me out. You have no idea. And if you want me to cover certain topics or you have certain questions, send them my way. I would love to hear from you. All right. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you next week.